We're back. We're back. It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? I'm good, man. What's happening? Just uh, so people know, uh, take you inside the games, Roth. So. Yeah. Uh, let's go, let's I, uh, go behind the game. But before we start the before we start the show, we have to count down from three. Uh, you know, to start the show to do a slate. So we got three, two, one, and Roth is slow. I'm here to tell no. you, Roth, you are slow and you're Wrong. like you think you do the ironic. You're like three, two, and I'm like, no, that's let's go. Let's go. We got work to do, Roth. That's not the mentality that I bring to this. I'm just focused. If it sounds slow to you, then maybe it's because you've never heard that level of emotional intensity before. That's true. It could be, um, you know, you could be doing sort of an arty version of the countdown, and I should respect yeah. your abstraction. Yeah, it's like uh, an Adam Driver performance without any of the stuff that makes an Adam Driver performance interesting or appealing. You know, Adam Driver was in a Super Bowl ad, and like yeah. I had the ads on mute because who gives a fuck about the ads anymore? But I did like look up when I saw Adam Driver and I was like, oh, Adam Driver. Maybe this will be interesting. Maybe I should unmute it. And then I didn't. And that's my yep. incredible story, bro. Yeah. Wow. I think uh, I managed to not really notice the Super Bowl ads this year, which was great. There was a part of me that was like definitely on the edge of my seat hoping for, I think that Facebook ad from last year where they were like, Web3 is where you go when your body dies. Wouldn't <laughs> it be nice for your body to die? Like that to me is like, one of the most challenging and unpleasant bits of like not explicitly directed by David Cronenberg art that we've seen in the last, I don't know, 15 years. But this year it was back to just being like Samuel L. Jackson eating a Dorito and going, wow. Yeah, which yeah, yeah. is more what I'm expecting. Yeah, if they're all they're all optional now, especially I don't work in that business anymore, so I yeah. don't have to do it. We should talk about the actual game. And then you will be free, Roth, from extended NFL discourse until, like, April. Does that sound good? It sounds, I mean, you know, yes, it does. I feel like NFL free agency and stuff like that is the one bit of, like, sports off-season shit that I don't follow or care about. And I don't Speak for yourself, know how that happened. I guess there's just too much going on. It's not like I like the NFL significantly less. I just, I'm used to, like, waking up some morning in August and getting on a podcast with you and Andy Barons, and then he tells me what teams, what running backs are on. That's always a nice moment. It is. It's nice. I appreciate his work in that. I think NFL offseasons have improved because I think the old, you know, like I think the old complaint was like, well, there's not a free agency movement, and like, oh, there aren't enough trades, blah, blah, blah. Well, like there was plenty of fucking action, certainly last offseason. Russell Wilson got traded. Uh, you know, all you know, there was a bunch of other moves like yeah, that. Yeah, Tyree Kill. Like, yeah, Tyree really Kill players. got traded. Devontae Adams got traded. And so we might have shit this offseason where, you know, I am not going to say it's going to happen, but Aaron Rodgers is on the block. He'll still end up going to f- staying with Green Bay and being a fucking asshole for a, a shitty season again. But like, <laughs> that could happen. And then Lamar That's Jackson. The analysis you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. This fucking Jackson, asshole. Unbelievable. Yeah, and then like Lamar Jackson is on the block, but only if you pay 19 first round picks for yeah. him. I was going to say, did you do any of the the emotional and football calculus to figure out how he winds up uh, in a purple helmet with a horn? Of course, on it I next fucking year? did. Uh, <laughs> so, what, where did you wind up? So, on a Friday night, I did my usual thing, got a little jolly, sat in my chair, and then I thought it. I thought about Lamar going to the Vikings. As if I were the only person who ever had that idea. Like, I was the first person to think of it. Like, this is the time of year where the sports talk radio part of my brain really has, like, a lot of time to play. Where it's like, it really comes to the fore. So, like, I'm sitting there. 
stoned out of my fucking brain. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. We could trade Kirk to the Ravens and get Lamar back and maybe a draft pick too. Maybe we could get that. Like, I'm thinking that. Like, seriously, I'm earnestly thinking that this is something that is possible, which is so not true. There's no fucking chance that ever happens. And then what happened on, I think it was Sunday, Ian Rappaport reported, okay, the Ravens are going to tag him, but they would be interested in a, tra- in a trade offer so long as it's like five first-round picks. Like, he he suggested five first-round picks, which means that someone told him that that is the, the starting price. And that immediately stopped all of my fantasizing. I was like, nope, that's not happening. Not that's a also fucking like chance. not possible. Like, that is the sort of no. thing where, So just basically a team punting first-round picks for half a decade so that they could have... Lamar Jack. It would have to be a team that has multiple first round picks. And then even then, I don't think that they would be willing to do it. Right. Because the Broncos just traded multiple first round picks for Russell Wilson, who not only sucked, but also he played the entire season too. You're not guaranteed. You're almost, you're guaranteed to not get Lamar for an entire season yeah. uh, from now on. You know, so like, you know, the idea that that precedent, I, I just, I'm not seeing anybody ponying up that much, but you know, that's, that's sort of the openings. Uh, the opening offer that they'll take, and maybe they'll maybe they're they're realistic and they're like, okay, we will we'll take two ones for this guy, and since we hired George's offensive coordinator today, uh, we'll we'll draft Stetson Bennett in the fifth, and we'll be just fine. Hell yeah, Stetson <laughs> Bennett, like just delaying his inevitable uh entrance into the wealth management industry. Like Denny, uh, Denny from while. Dundalk would be fucking elated yep. for that. To he knows how to win. <laughs> Let's talk about the actual football that happened. Uh, you know, I was, I'm going to ask you this, Roth, although I realize that uh, GOAT discussions are pretty tiresome and worthless, but right now, is Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback you've ever seen? So I think the short answer is yes. The longer answer is that I have a bunch of different little, uh, like sort of, not to... Uh, get to Bill Simmons on on your ass. Too late. Or the listeners' asses. But there is, you know, in my pantheon, there are many rooms. And in those rooms, there are different furnishings. And so there's guys that I think of as being, like, the coolest quarterback that I ever saw or the most... Uh, that there's, like, throws that I've seen Aaron Rodgers make that I've never seen anybody else make. Yeah, and the that casual is, flick 50 yards yes. downfield. Yeah. And those are unreal. Like, I will treasure those. I, I wish that he would never talk. You know, like, yeah, uh, I think that's about right. But it's like they're those are meaningful moments to me. Mahomes is a guy that I'm still, I think, trying to find like a frame of reference for. And at this point, it's like he's going to be this good for as long as he's interested in being this good. It feels like the stuff that he was doing, especially clomping on his fucked up ankle down the middle of the field to (laughs) save. I mean, I don't even know if that was a third down play. They had like two third downs in the entire second half, but like. That sort of like heroism in addition to the throws and like just because he's also a guy that makes throws that not only do I not see watching on TV, but like like two into windows that I, that don't make sense to me. But like everything is so laser guided that it looks like it makes sense. And it's not until you're seeing the replay that you're like, that was fucking stupid and insane for anyone to have thrown that. The other thing is that, you know, he resprained that ankle in the first half against the Eagles and he walked off the field, and I got to tell you that there's no more human moment than seeing uh, a professional athlete who's just way, way above my skill set trying to hobble around on a busted ankle the same exact way I would. Like, you look like 
You look like you have a shit in your pants. Yeah. You're like, uh, uh, uh. Yep. Your body just doesn't, it's like, that is exactly what it is. Like, it just bumps you down to the absolute bottom of the staircase with all the fucking normal people who are yeah, like, yeah, you look You get up stupid. off the couch and you're like, oops, something popped. Like, that's, <laughs> Pat Mahomes was there. Yeah, it was great. And like, I, I think I didn't appreciate his second half, mostly because I had 10 bucks on the Eagles. Uh, and so when he made the run, I was like, well, that's just great. There goes my money. And meanwhile, like someone was like, oh, that was the El- Elway helicopter run. And it's kind of true. Like Elway yep. was old as balls when he had that run in 1997. 90, it was 97 season, 98 Super Bowl, whatever. Um, so Elway was an old man, but like Mahomes was compromised like an old man would be for the majority of that game for the entire playoffs. Yep. And he still did it. And I think that is, you got to tip your hat. It's yep. pretty fucking cool. I'm that. sorry that you lost your $10, but you had a, I, I guess we can talk about this. I don't want to ever talk about gambling on this podcast, but you put down an extremely good bet on uh, a, a rough. Uh, we do mandatory need to talk about bareback sports book. So all right, we're, yes, we're only good. allowed to talk. We are only allowed to talk about gambling unless it's about bareback sports book. All right. Well, that's good to know uh, that. So the higher ups at, at bareback have met, said that I need to say their name. Bareback sports book. It's in the back. Drew, you put a uh, bet down on Boston Scott that I want to talk about. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Do you really want me to talk? Because yeah, I want you right. to talk about it. So, so I'm fucking about like on the app, and I see because uh, my deal is that I will only make an online sports book bet if like it seems fairly obvious and simple, and it's very low stakes. I'm never gonna bet more than like five or ten bucks, right? I'm never gonna be like the people who bet routinely like five hundred dollars. That blows my fucking mind. Like, what the fuck? That sounds are you doing? unfun to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it's like then you're not really having a good time. Then you're like you're invested, and you're like you're probably you're gonna have that Matthew Barry brain. I'm just not gonna want to hang out. With yep. Anyway, so I'm I'm fucking around on the app, and it's like, hey, you can bet uh, the over under on Boston Scott getting 7.5 rushing yards. And I'm like, that's a fucking, that's a, that's a single carry for the Eagles run offense. Like that's a gimme. So I put five bucks down and sure as shit, Boston Scott goes for like eight yards on a carry in the first quarter. Then on the next play, Roth, he loses a yard. And I'm like, Oh my God, you talk about a bad beat, David Roth. Yeah. Horrible. Calling into showing up at Scott Van Pelt's house to explain yep, this to him. That's right. And then he got a third carry and he got the yard back and then he never saw the ball again. And I won $5. So how is that for you? That's what it's all about. You know what? And people ask, uh, you know, because we're not a sports gambling positive uh, website or, or podcast. Why? Except do you, once again for Bareback Sportsbook. Why do, yeah. Why do we endorse uh, Bareback Sportsbook instead of other sports books? And it's because they give you uh, prop bets like Boston Scott um, will not fumble. And you <laughs> can go ahead and uh, put a bet down on that. Apparently a lot of these apps, they um, they can't do certain really stupid prop bets like the length of the national anthem and shit like that, depending on the state. And I like the specificity of that. Like the states are like, yeah, go ahead, gamble all you want. Oh, wait, except these, ga- these, these bets, they're a little too irresponsible for us. You should yep. not do that. They're like, well, that's too easy to fix. Really good stuff. <laughs> yes, I want to just double down on this. The only bet that everyone at the Super Bowl party I wanted to do was on Rihanna's first song, and I couldn't do it, but yet I lo- I Googled 
what are the odds on Rihanna's? So there are odds on it, but it's really? just not on any of the books. So it's like, what are we, why are we doing extra work? You got to put that bet down in like a tavern. You need to find like a sketchy guy in a bar and be like, I want to put a thousand dollars on umbrella. Well, because what if, what if Rihanna had seen it and made her own bet? She knows the set. You got, yep. she's got the inside Intel. You know, what if she is calling Kanye and being like, listen, I see this bet. Like, I I was going to do all the lights first f- for your sake, but I, I'm going to do bitch better have my money. And that's yeah. where you got to put the money. And Ken down. Kanye is going to be like, oh, some people are really Jews and some people aren't really Jews. He's like, I got to getting another call. I got to uh, go. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't have time to. <laughs> Truly, the only way that Rihanna would be cooler is if she was also Pete Rose. So I'm fine with yeah. it. I'm <laughs> fine with it. Just sweating it out. Roth, how old am I uh, spiritually if I spent the first half of Rihanna's halftime show complaining to my family that she was lip syncing? Oh, boy. I was oh like, boy. I was like, I was like, <laughs> I, was I was sitting there like, like Mr. Know-it-all, like she's not really singing, you know, like I was, I was the first person to think that as if that every fucking Super Bowl halftime show in history hasn't been lip synced. Like, she's got this level of being Rihanna, though, that I respect this very much that like. You know, so I like her songs as much as I, you know, like anybody else's songs that have been that popular. I don't think that anyone expects her to do like great dancing or above average even singing. She's just there because she's fucking cool. And she's still cool, even if she's, you know, whatever, five months pregnant, barely dancing and lip syncing her songs. Like, I think that she delivers. It's not like you want to hear like soaring Christina Aguilera vibrato shit from her that's not what she brings to the table no she's like it's not that she's cool it's that she's cold like she's very um uh i don't i can't think of the right word for this even though i write for a living but like you know it was it started with umbrella where she was just very it was very like aloof but in like a way where it's like fuck she's like she's so cold i I gotta, I gotta know more about her, you know, yeah. and I, I've always liked a whole nation making the Carmelo Anthony about to risk it all face for 19 minutes. Well, yeah, because you, know you know how hard it is to sound like you don't give a fuck and you're barely even human and have that not be off putting like there's there's nobody else who can do that. I so. mean, I do. I do it most episodes, but it is <laughs> yeah. a very difficult thing to to manage. So I guess lastly on the game, like I think we should uh, honor it. It was a good Super Bowl. Did it like I was disappointed with how it ended, but I don't think that I like flipped out about the flag or any of that shit like that. To me, it just sort of like the Eagles ran out of runway, you know, like the Chiefs were too good. I think it was a really good Super Bowl, but it didn't have that sort of like absolutely throwing punches until the bell rings thing that like Eagles Patriots did, for instance. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted it. I wanted to go to the bell. And of course, I I. I wrote a post about how annoyed I was at the flag and I I'm still annoyed at the flag, but yes, in the, in the grand scheme of things, it was an excellent Super Bowl. but also I've lived long enough and there have been enough Super Bowls now where I don't have to do the thing right after the game ended where like I figure out where it belongs in my yeah. personal top yeah. 10. Like where does it fit? Yeah. I, I don't know who really do won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Who, which, the, which is the goat Super Bowl? Like I don't yeah. have to do that shit anymore. It's just, I'm happy that it wasn't 13 to three. You know, yep. like I'm happy it wasn't just an absolute <laughs> dog shit game. And like, you know, I lost t- I lost five or ten bucks, but like who gives a fuck? I I made chili and I made wings. I was a yeah, happy. When you look at how much boy. money Bearback is paying us to sponsor this podcast, it's like you're still came out of it. I mean, this is hundreds of thousands of dollars per episode. Were you uh were you weary with Damar Hamlin sitting next to Commissioner Goodell for the whole game? Like I didn't DeMar, love that. 
I mean, should Demar have spiked his drink, like to give him a cardiac <laughs> arrest or something like that? I just wonder what it's like to sit next to Roger Goodell for an entire NFL game. Uh, I mean, it's probably fine. Like, I'm sure he's like, I think he's a pleasant, boring man. Like, yeah. I, socially. Like, I think that's like, I mean, look, I'm a suburbanite. Everyone I live around, like, is like that. I'm like that. <laughs> like, it's not like I've gone to Christmas parties and I have met people like that and I have socialized with them and I have had a perfectly fine time. All right. And I mean, like, it's not going to be inappropriate or whatever. Like the idea, like sitting next to Jerry Jones for a whole game would probably be way harder. Not just because the energy level is higher, but like as the game goes on and the uh, JW blue compounds uh, as it, as uh, you know, your higher quality blended scotches do eventually he's going to ask you a question about like, are you a tits or an ass man or something? You're going to have to be like, I got to go. Whereas like Roger Goodell is going to be like, I like the way the ball is shaped. And you have to be like, I know I do too. It's it's really good. Well, the other thing is that, all right, so there's a couple of things. One, I just want, I did want to note that someone noted that uh, after the Chiefs won, Roger Goodell embraced uh, Chris Jones, the all-pro defensive tackle. Said something and weird said to him, to him too, right? I don't care how you hit the quarterback. Like, that was how he whispered to him. And that is fucking weird. That's weird. Yes. That's and that's weird. the Roger Goodell level of weird, too, where it's like you just get one shot to say something normal. And he's like, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Going to go another route with this one. But the other thing is that, like, if I'm Damar Hamlin, I, I had a heart attack on the field. I, I nearly died. I came back to life. I'm feeling pretty good about everything, right? Like, and if the commissioner of the league is like, hey, you know what? Sit next to me for the Super Bowl. I'm probably going to be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Right. Like, I know that there's like, there's a little like, okay, I'm being used as like the mascot for NFL player safety when I almost died playing this exact sport. Like, there's always going to be that odd dynamic going on. But also, I think I naturally understand that it's like, oh, okay, the most important person in the league, uh, you know, is glad I'm alive and like invited me to a luxury box and like I can eat anything I want during the whole game for yeah, free. Yeah, oh, that's, that's a big one. I can have a drink. I he probably can't drink anymore. <laughs> I was going to say like, that like we let's presume that Tamar Hamlin is, is eating healthy and, and uh, generally taking care of himself and all that. But I mean, I agree with I think this is like what watching the NFL is like participating in it obviously is a different level of that, that it's like. Obviously, there are questions of complicity and sort of, you know, knowing things you have to just sort of walk around knowing about like what the league does and doesn't care about and how much it cares about the things it cares about and how little it cares about the things it doesn't care about. All of that's there. Everybody knows it. It's a question of, you know, what you do with it and and how you, you know, live within that. Like, I can't knock Damar Hamlin for a single decision that he makes. At this point, like if he was doing like crypto ads, I'd be like, I don't know. But the rest, of, the rest, of, but the rest of it, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna let him rock. Like, have fun. Go to the Super Bowl. Sit with whoever you want. You know what's safer than cardiac arrest? Ethereum. Go buy some. <laughs> nothing uh, ventured, nothing gained. <laughs> yeah. Startling a lack of crypto advertising during the Super Bowl. This yeah, year. Who, this was really. Who the, it's funny to think that was just last year that like most of the yeah. Ads, where like Matt Damon being like, what are you, a fucking pussy? Like, how do you not own Bitcoin? And like, so that's like half the ads. And then the fucking Facebook ad, which I hate to keep going back to, where they were basically like, our new innovation is the thing that comes after you living a fulfilling life. Like they just absolutely, like all of that is dustbin of history now. That was 12 months ago. Yeah, it's wild. Man. Kind of gratifying, actually. And it, yeah, it's nice. It's nice when when those people eat shit. There's, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. 
All right, here's another nice thing that can happen, all right? If you guys have the time, you listen to the show, uh, please, over on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. And I'm not saying that just in the cursory, like, please rate, review, and subscribe. Like, we actually, we need you to do it. We need you to get our batting review average up uh, because the good folks in Multitude can sell ads for this podcast more easily. Like real ads, not the bear book ads, like actual ads. That means we'll get to do more shows. We can maybe afford better recording equipment. And Roth and I can make more money for ourselves, which we can do just unspeakable shit with. Yeah, you should not. I mean, think about how I live. I've been pretty clear about my circumstances. Like sometimes we get one-star reviews from just random fuckers who generally want, who like, who want us to stick to sports. Like they're genuinely surprised. Like even though the name of the fucking show is the distraction, they want us to stick to sports. And then you have people who give us just four stars and somehow that's even more insulting. Yeah. There was a guy, this was, I made the mistake that I'm not generally a a reader of the comments, but I looked at the reviews after multitude mentioned it to us and somebody left a four star review and it was like, you know, fun show, always a good listen. I might have to tap out though, because they always talk about whatever it is they've been eating. And I have to say, uh, you maybe do need to tap out at that point. Like, cause I'm not, I, I gotta be me. It's not like I'm not thinking about sandwiches. I'm white knuckling, not talking about them every second that we're doing this thing. But like this, that sort of, uh, negativity or whatever, you don't need to leave a review. You don't need to be like, I like it when he talks about sandwiches. Uh, just leave the stars and keep it moving. But like, if it gets dragged down, then we're screwed and it makes it harder for us to sort of pull our end with defector in general. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. We're not... Thank you. We're only being like 10% thirsty when we ask. So let's go take a break and go to a real sponsor. We'll be right back. We're sponsored this week by another podcast called Good Sport from TED. It's about the way sports can shed a light on the ups and downs of being human. This season, Good Sport covers hotbeds of talent, why some areas produce more star athletes than others, the politics of stadium builds, how a new sport can gain a fandom, and how athletes deal with aging out of playing sports at the highest level, and lots more. So check out Good Sport wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Good Sport from TED, wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with just Roth, no guests this week. Roth, you are now free from uh, Super Bowl discourse, and we should talk about the NBA because um, over the past couple of weeks, we haven't been able to talk about the fact that a shitload of trades happened. So let's begin with Kyrie Irving to the Mavs. We have thankfully avoided Kyrie talk for a few months now on this show. Yeah. We even had we had Bomani on, and Bomani made the prediction that you'd never see Kyrie on NBA court again. And it was like the one time that Bomani has been wrong about something. So I'm glad that we had that for posterity. It definitely had the, it felt at the time, like it could have gone that way. But then I think this is like, whatever the, if we get another decade of Kyrie, I can't even really say I'd be surprised at this point. Like we're, we're in a post consequences era. And I think also everybody's kind of just tuned him out or is working on that at this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like you can only be an asshole so much before people are just like before everyone walks away, including, including the Brooklyn Nets. So yep. we got to come back. We got to talk just for a moment about basketball's designated moron from outer space. Is it better <laughs> for America that Kyrie is no longer playing in a major media market? Is it going to be easier to ignore him now? Because I feel like I've already forgotten who he is. I don't know who we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think that to a certain extent. The thing that's going to be like the deciding factor there is like if 
he's on a team that's good enough that you have to think about him. If he's just the guy that shows up to um, play a game against whatever team is in your city and he's like really good and there's some kids wearing his jersey or whatever in the stands, that's like a, a pretty anonymous. Like if he's uh, like the incense version of Donovan Mitchell, then like that's a fine outcome for me. And that's disrespectful to Donovan Mitchell is having an amazing season. But it is like with Kyrie, the idea of him as being like an important figure in the culture that we need to be thinking about. That's the part that I, I think everyone is is pretty eager uh, to leave behind. Well, it figures like we would learn as a society that uh, like asking athletes for their opinion is pretty much the same as asking actors for their opinion. Like you yeah. really don't need to know any of this shit. Yeah. Like I ain't saying stick to sports. I ain't saying shut up and dribble. Like, I don't want to be that guy, but like, I just know the percentages, like the chances are that if an athlete's going to say something, it's going to be exactly as interesting as me saying something. Right. It's, this is the thing with, I actually had this conversation with our buddy, Brandon Nix. I had dinner with him last week and which was cool. He's doing What did you eat? Our readers, our listeners (laughs) want to know. know. I'm going to describe the pot pie that I got at Gage and Tolner in Brooklyn. Okay, my pot pie. And it'll be a... Didn't even know you. I guess it makes sense that you were sitting on on that Any, voice. Anytime I make a pot pie, I do it. I I, I put the pot pie recipe on Defector, and I had no kids, my pot pie as the as the headline. And Barry was like, "That's that joke is twenty years old, Drew." That can't be the <laughs> and I was like, "Good." Point. Still, I mean, obviously, it still hits for me. Obviously, it's working. But what I was talking about with Kyrie, I think the reason that people were sort of clamoring for his opinion in the first place is that for a little while he was on a really good hot streak of getting shit right. Like, or just, he seemed, I mean, getting shit right. I mean, this is, I got to own my own bias in this. He was talking about stuff that I am not used to seeing public figures talk about, you know, that he was. Example. I mean, standing up for the rights of Palestinians, uh, standing up for the rights of native American communities and like, you know, the, like actually like kind of shining a light on water protectors, getting the shit kicked out of them by cops for no reason <laughs> that like stuff like that. And, and he put some money behind it too. I mean, he paid for like during the, the pandemic for meals and stuff like that for people that, you know, were struggling at that time. The things you'd think you'd want somebody who is a multimillionaire public figure to do. Right. The problem with that, I think, and this is like the, there's a long uh, feature on him in, in New York magazine this week that I thought was pretty good, but that basically made the point that this is whatever his instincts were, that like during the pandemic, he had the same problems that a lot of people did, which is like he just watched too much fucking YouTube and he didn't see people and he wasn't getting like feedback from in the way that like if you're talking crazy with your friends, they might be like, I don't know about that one, dude. But if you're him and you don't really have friends and people that you're used to seeing are like members of a basketball team that you're not currently spending any time around. Then at that point, it's just the fucking Twitch chat and it's the algorithm. And that'll pull you into some weirder spaces if you let it. I think most people are a little more resistant to being pulled in that direction than him. But that's the part that's kind of disappointing about it is I had such great hope for the guy. And then he's smoking on that shit that makes you enter the Hebrew name of God into the Amazon Prime search box. (laughs) And then, you know, (laughs) you can tell where it's going to go from there. It sucks. Well, that's humanity, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, I it, sometimes so. it, it surprises you and sometimes it disappoints you. Yeah. I mean, I think with him, the, uh, the other thing that's a complicating factor is that he's fucking amazing. He's incredible yeah. to watch. And this is as good as I've ever seen him be, like on an individual level. 
it doesn't seem like the Mavs exactly have that figured out, but like if they do figure out how to have him and Luka Doncic share a basketball, like that could be a very good team. And then we're right back to fucking talking about him again. Yeah, because uh, that is a team that, like, regardless of Kyrie being a, a shithead off the court or whatever, that will be a remarkably fun team to watch come playoff time. Because every game's going to be 132 to 130, and who knows would, which side of the coin yeah. the Mavericks will end up on, but it'll They've be been fun. Such a weird thing for me, because they're, they're fucking hell to watch. They've been hell to watch, despite Luka becoming, you know, one of the three or five best players in the sport. And, like... If anything is going to pep them up, it's like the best individual ball handler playmaker guy that I've maybe ever seen. Right. It's just a question of like, it could also definitely not work. And that would be a remarkable achievement too. Uh, let's talk about more basketball because you and I are basketball ex- experts. Uh, yes. Kevin Durant went to Phoenix. He went to Phoenix the day after it was floated that Isaiah Thomas would be hired to run that team. So what a <laughs> remarkable 24-hour turnaround yep. for Phoenix Suns fans, really. Should- yeah. Uh, that said, like they got him for basically nothing. They didn't have to give up uh, anything. And it was like two good two- rotation players and, and four picks. So it was a lot, but it wasn't like a superstar for a superstar deal. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't Booker. It wasn't uh, DeAndre Ayton. Although uh, Diana Moskovitz's uh, husband, Pat, who was a Suns fan, wanted Ayton's contract off of the team's books. But, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Anyway, the point being that they got him, you know, really for a song. They certainly got a mad discount, but should I worry um, that the Achilles injury that Durant suffered back in 2019 will serve leaving him in this area where he's just short of dominance for the rest of his career? I think he's played his ass off when he's been healthy enough to do it. I'm not sure worried has, about man. Kevin Durant declining necessarily. It's a question of how much of him you can get and how much you can count on sort of down the, the stretch of a season. And that, if there's a thing that, about this that I don't know for sure is going to work. It's that. Because it's like, they did give up a decent amount. Four first-round picks is enough that it's going to be harder to reload in the way that they've managed to reload. I mean, two of the guys that they traded in, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, are like the sort of first-round picks that a team has to get right if they're going to improve significantly. Like, Cam Johnson was like a sort of low lottery, like... Uh, maybe even like out of the lottery, middle of the first round thing, who like, they really hit on him. He's like a very good NBA player. Like a useful rotational guy. Yes. And if you don't give yourself the chance to develop those guys on the cheap yourself, you have to go pay for them. And that's much harder. And it's especially harder when you have Chris Paul's contract and Kevin Durant's contract and Devin Booker's contract and DeAndre Ayton's contract all on the same books. Yeah, especially especially if your owner's a cheapskate asshole who doesn't want to pay the tax, you know? Right. So they have a new owner now who seems willing to pay the tax. That's good for them. The other thing that I think like should work, and I'm I'm probably overweighting, is that I can't believe how fucking bad the Nets experiment went. And it, I don't think you can blame obviously you can't blame Durant for that. I mean, he's done nothing but be Kevin Durant when he's physically able to do it. And like Harden being checked out and, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving having a brain disorder and Ben Simmons having a very different but equally severe brain disorder, you can't put on on Durant. But like, it seems to me like on paper, you put all those names together and I'm like, yeah, that's like a team that's going to be one of the better teams in the Western Conference for three years. So you get all that stuff together. It's just like, I've also seen it not work 
with a bunch of other Hall of Famers, like very, very recently. And so I'm way more wary of it than I probably should be. Do you think I'm like over like doing it on that? Because at some point it's like if all those guys are on the floor at the same time, that's an all-star team. Maybe I'm overthinking it. I think you're overdoing it a a bit because there's there's two things. One is that I want to go back for a moment and I want just to remember when uh, this offseason when KD told the Nets like, listen, I want you to trade me unless you fire the guys I told you to hire for coaching. Oh, Durant. yeah. That's, and then that's the Nets were bad. like, no. And then Durant was like, oh, okay. I guess it's <laughs> That was kind of funny. The other thing is that I, I think it's clear now that super teams work everywhere in the NBA unless you're assembling one in the tri-state area. Then you're fucked. So, or the clip, the Clippers also are a, a kind of a bummer in that. Regard. Yeah. Okay, but that's the Clippers. Like I expect yep. that from the Clippers. So, so this like, is the other really annoying opinion that I have on this, which is that I think the Clippers and the Nets are like the Los Angeles Angels in baseball. That like superstars want to live in those areas and they will definitely take their money. But something about signing with those teams, they're kind of like, well, I'm done. Like I'll see you in five years. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of fucking log off for a little bit. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I I do want to ask you one thing about LeBron, even though we've we've talked about LeBron and LeBron discourse has essentially run its course, not to like I don't even know what you call that. That's not a it's like back end alliteration. That's like yeah. uh it's like a um big pun lyric, like your yeah. internal rhyming. It's really complicated. <laughs> yeah, like like rhyming where you didn't even bother like to find like a different consonant to start the next word. I so, think it's I respect what you're doing with the language here. But yeah, go ahead. The point being is that while we were gone, uh, LeBron broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record. And respect to Kareem aside, isn't it kind of nice that a center no longer holds that record? Because you, you're a center. Bit easy to score, isn't it? Right yeah. there. Basket's right there. All you got to do is put it right bit in. easy, isn't it? It's simple yeah. as. You just simply drop the biscuit in the basket, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Very, very easy. Yeah, so. I think it's it's cool that it's LeBron to me. Like, I feel like I've completely... I think, again, while we're talking about overcompensation, I hated Michael Jordan every fucking second of his NBA career. Couldn't stand it. And it was because I was a child, like, you know, emotionally, mentally, but also in a literal sense, I was like a kid. Yes. And he kept beating the New Jersey Nets. And I was like, I, you know, you're so rude to Chris Morris. Like, why do you keep doing this? That was wrong. Like, I blew it, and I missed the opportunity to enjoy a guy that's probably, you know, one of or if not the greatest basketball player ever to do it. And I've been very determined not to do that with LeBron, like, to the point where I think I overlook some annoying stuff about him just because, like, I want to, like, we're not going to get another one, you know? Like, I might as well have fun with the shit while it's still there. Right. Or if you get another one, you'll be dead by the time he comes around. Right. So or I'll like, be like so old that I'll be like, actually finally have been like, he's no LeBron, you know, LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> Which is- well, the other thing is that it's nice that, cause I, I'm pretty sure that, that uh, LeBron won't get the sixth ring. Like the Lakers are pretty shitty Oh yeah, and they don't really have a lot of, um, you know, despite some of the trade moves that they made uh, before the deadline that did just not seem like they have, uh, the, the firepower to get back into position to win a title before he retires. Right. You know, sometimes I actually thought they did great in those trades. Like given that they had zero assets, they yeah. basically they, they had moved nothing. Russell Westbrook and a pick that will be made um in twenty twenty nine. So basically the rights to an eleven or twelve year old child TBD. Right. That like they managed to get good players. I just don't think I think you're right though that they don't have the the star power, especially, you know, the way that the Western Conference looks now. like Right. So with that known, the fact that he has five rings, but also the the all-time scoring record, 
I think is good. Like, I think that's a nice sort of way to round out his career. And, you know, I'm saying that now, even though he's going to play 10 more years and then do like lots of other crazy shit. Too, right. right? But- this is the thing that's like kind of weirdest about him. I feel like we talked about this recently that like he's we not de- he's not declining, you know, so it's the question of like he could play for as long as he wants, I think. Right. And it's not like it's not like Aaron Rodgers where I'm like, God, I wish he'd fuck off and just retire already. Yeah. Like, that has not that's not happened with me. And I'm like, I'm fine to have him around. Like, I'm not sick of him. Yeah. And I think he's like still kind of having fun. Like he wants to play with his son. I think he's going to like I, that's such a crazy thing to like and not in the way that like Ken Griffey Sr. was just like a nice older man who got to spend some time like on the team playing with Ken Griffey Jr. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah LeBron's yeah. going to be the best player on the team that his son joins when his son makes the NBA. But I think his son is like, it looks like he's going to make the NBA now, even if it's just as an appendage. to. What if his LeBron. son is fucking terrible and like fucks up in like that J.R. Smith way and like his dad has to be like, what the fuck, man? Why just a bad bounds? Fuck you, amazing. man. This psychodrama of recreating that photograph of him yelling at J.R. <laughs> Smith, but it's someone that looks exactly like a 19-year-old version of him. Yeah. Oh I kind of want that now. I feel bad, but. Because it would be a dad move to do that. Yeah. Because I'm a dad. I have sons. Like, Hitting I remember- him with the Patrick Ewing. Like, have you ever practiced that shot? Like, but it's like from an NBA Hall of Famer to someone who is like his child. I remember one of my low moments uh, this past year was my son, my youngest son. He wanted a bite of he wanted a bite of a cookie I was eating. And I said, All right, all right, you can have a bite of the cookie. Took a fucking huge bite. We're talking like 60% of the cookie. And on instinct, I yelled at him. I go, you asshole. <laughs> and he's 10. He's 10. <laughs> so I just wanted to tell this story. I think hey, that's, res- that's respect, though. That's like how you would engage any other normal person. You don't treat him any different than if I took somehow a huge bite of your cookie. Like I don't. I do. I casually swear around them now. I, I don't. I've let all that go. I'm not a fucking prude anymore. Uh, Roth, before we get to the stupid stuff, how worried should you and I be about top secret Chinese spy balloons and or paper planes floating around above our major metropolises. I've had a really hard time sleeping okay. because of it. You don't know what's up there. They're the they call them uh the balloons of the skies. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh very I can't scary. believe that that shit hit. You never can tell uh, this is or I'm glad that uh Bearback Sportsbook is not allowed to list this sort of prop bet in the state of New York. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Governor Hochul for looking out for us. If I could bet on what stupid story of the day was going to be the sort of thing that like JD Vance was going to pretend to be upset about. Like I would be very tempted to bet on it. The, the spy balloon thing was very clearly one that they were going to freak out about because it's like, it's both stupid. China. It's China. It's China. It's China. It's got uh like an element of like sort of slow boil. Like you're just like, it's just floating overhead, you know, and they got to take so this- much menace. It's like, yeah. nope. Very scary. It's hiding yes. in a cloud. You don't know what it is or what it's doing. What if, what if it can see your thoughts? You don't know what technology they have over there. So that like that one was clearly going to hit. And yet, like the fact that it's somehow like stuck around in a way. And you don't want to like be doing that version of media criticism where you're like, why is everyone talking about this instead of this other thing that's worse? But it's like that one. The fact that we could still be talking about spy balloons in like six months is not something I would have bet on. I would, even if I could have, even if Governor Hochul wasn't protecting me from myself, that would have been, uh, like, this feels like a two-day story, and it's already made it a number of weeks. Everybody, they're calling it the China balloon, and everyone's <laughs> talking about it. They're very scared. It's not good. 
It could be. There could be more floating balloons. They could be made of mylar. You don't know. You know they got so many of them. They're, they're very large. Wait, can I just? I want to. There's one bit, an image that I want to. I just put in your in your mind and the listener's mind that I think. Yes. Like, this Please is the do future, it. The future of our politics, for better or worse. When the balloon was supposedly overhead, and it was over like Montana or something like that. Right. J.D. Vance, our, our favorite senator, we love him, handsome son of a bitch, uh, took a, had someone take a picture of himself. So he's sitting on a wood pile with an AR-15 and his eyes cast upward as if waiting for the balloon to is float he, Did he really do so that? Could, like, I'm yes. going to shoot it so down. So he could fucking light it up. And he's the guy that is like, I mean, yeah, he's in the Senate now, so that means you just have to act like a fucking donkey so that people keep voting for you that like Ted Cruz is probably like would rather be doing sophisticated stuff, but he has to go on there and be like, I want to bite the balloon and harm it. Like he has to just like be a weenie. Oh, I like that. I like that Ted Cruz voice. But JD like Vance, who's a guy that takes himself very seriously and like wants to be taken seriously. He had to do that. And like someone in his campaign was like, do you want to get the gun out and sit on the wood pile? And like, we'll, we'll post it. It'll be on socials and stuff. And he's like, all right, fine. Was there a that, truck in the photograph? There no, there should have been. I mean, I feel like wow. it needed like that, whatever that filter was that people used to use, like the blingy one where there'd be like like the little doge head and like the word wow flashing and like bubble letters. It needed more of that, like, but it needed the reactionary version of it. Like there needs to be a truck. There needs to be like Trump doing the cupping his ear like she had an amazing life gesture. It needs more <laughs> stuff in the shot. I, you know, I don't want, I don't want to... Uh, encourage Vance, but as someone who has gone skeet shooting and stuff like that, I bet it would fucking kick ass to shoot balloons out of the sky. I would oh, yeah. totally fucking They're do so that. slow moving too. Ah, it's like the- and like, like if one, one gets away at a child's birthday party and you're like, oh no, it got away. It's going to space. Like if I could shoot it with a fucking high powered <laughs> rifle, <laughs> just like, yeah, like kid. a child loses a happy birthday balloon and then an F-15 Raptor absolutely lights it up. Yeah. Like, seconds fucking- later. Just fucking house that balloon. I'd be down with it. Let's uh, <laughs> let's remember a guy. Before we do that, though, this podcast is sponsored by Ass Gas or Grassley, the Chuck Grassley podcast. It's the show for those of us who know that living in America means no free rides, baby. <laughs> Available only on Engvalia, the Bill Engvall Podcast Network. All right, let's remember a guy, Roth. Uh, there's a part of me that says. That I need you to run these by me before you say them, but this is my favorite part of every episode. <laughs> no, so I do run them don't. by you. It's written on a fucking document. This is in the doc? Yeah, you could have read it, bitch. That's my fault. Your guy well, of anyway. the week. It's time for the guy of the week. Every week, we remember an athlete of yours, not a Hall of Famer necessarily, but just a guy who makes you think, hey, I remember that guy. And Roth, since it's you, is the only guest this week. In your honor, it's Tim Thomas. Remember that guy? New Jersey icon, Tim Thomas. Patterson Hell Catholic, yeah. RIP. He's a, he's fine, but the high school he went to doesn't exist anymore. What? Yeah, what you, New Jersey excellence. That happens? Yeah, it happens. I mean, it happens especially with like these sort of private uh, Catholic high schools in cities. Ah, ah okay, all right. All so right, it's right. one of those, it wasn't exactly, like Patterson Catholic was a real institution. It wasn't like those high schools where the entire student body is just a member of the basketball team. Right, now, And Bishop the only Sycamore, instruction they was... get is like watching Prager U videos and then just uh, practicing the weave. In this case, it, uh, it was a, a school that he was like definitely their most notable star. He was um, like, a big deal when I was in high school. So he was especially like, as like local legends go was a big one for me. Yeah. Like he's one of those like big college stars, like back when you 
are like in college and high school yourself where you're like, wow, holy shit. Like I remember guys like like Tim Thomas and like Calbert Chaney. I was like, wow, yeah. those guys, those guys are fucking amazing. And then they turn out to be like like serviceable NBA players, but like not really much. More yeah, than Thomas that. had one of those weird careers where like on the merits, he had an excellent NBA career. Like he played for like 15 years or something. He was just never that good. Right, right, right. Where it's one of those things where it's like if he doesn't average 30 a game, you're like, he fucking sucked. What a yep. disappointment. What a bust. Yeah. Whereas like if he was like listening to this podcast right now in his like in the home that he bought with the hundred and twenty million dollars that he made playing basketball like through his twenties and thirties and probably having a ton of fun. Like I think he'd just be like, yeah, all right. I, I sucked, whatever. Like I'm going to go swim in my pool now that, that I own. Well, also like no one's going to tell him that they're going to be, he's going to be like, oh yeah, I played in the NBA and they're going to be like, holy shit, you played in the fucking NBA. You right. must be incredible. <laughs> like that's how I react when I find out that, that someone's played. If someone's played D one college basketball, I'm in awe of them. Yep. Like, like, I don't care if you sucked ass. I don't care if you were fucking Mark Titus. Like, I'm impressed. You know? This is the disadvantage of knowing a ton of guys and having their names carried around with you forever, too. So I remember meeting a friend, a co-worker of a friend of mine that played basketball at Wake Forest, but was like a deep bench guy. And I was like, did you know Rusty LaRue? And he's like, yeah, yeah, Rusty was cool. He was a friend. And I was like, wow, Rusty LaRue. And like, that's on me. Like, first of all, asking another man, like, how am I as a man asking another man, did you know Rusty LaRue? And then being impressed by the answer, like, that's it's my fault. That's like when I went to Michigan for a cup of coffee and like a friend of mine or like a, a kid I knew told me that he hung out at a frat party like the night before with Dugan Fife. And I was like, you fucking hung out with That's, Dugan Fife? Well, Holy shit. Here I am again being like, wow, I hope he was cool. Dugan <laughs> Fife was a icon too. That's a cool one. He was. My he sister, was like, he was my like, sister yeah. went there for four years and she had like periodic experiences. She went to go print something out once in the library and a BJ Askew term paper on Things Fall Apart by Chinua Achibe was just sitting on the printer and she like read a little bit of it and was like, well, he's a very good fullback. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Good for BJ Askew. Well, look, we'll transition seamlessly into the fun bag because the fun bag uh, question at the top is guy related. So these are real questions from defector readers and from distraction listeners. This one's from David. Now, listen closely, Roth. It's a good question, but there's a bit of a backstory to it. Okay. David writes, last year, I was at dinner with a few buddies, all of us sober members of the Chicago area Alcoholics Anonymous. For about 10 to 20 years, we held an impromptu and epic session of remembering guys from AA. It's a pretty, it's a pretty <laughs> common pastime among AA members, actually, before and after meetings and over coffee, not in a gossipy way, but rather in that appreciating guys' unique qualities, foibles, exploits, and myths way. So it got me thinking, are there other categories of guys who rise to this level of being remembered? Do you remember guys outside of sports, Roth? Like, what subcategories of guys do you enjoy remembering? This is a really good question. I feel like I should be doing more of this. Because there are, like, guys that I remember. Like, definitely, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, character actors, you know, in movies. Of course, yes. That Nicholas yes. Russell column runs on Defector.com. Yeah. It has, like, specializes in that kind of thing. And it I always enjoy it. But definitely thinking back on, like, guys from my 20s. Like, I would love to remember, like, the guy Blake that slept on our couch for, like, three months. Like, guys like that are, like, important to me. In a way that it's like, they're not actually important to me. Like, I don't necessarily know what that guy's doing. I wish him well. But like that, 
that made as much of an impression on my mind then as like Odeby McDowell did when I was 13. Well, that's what Facebook was for in the beginning, right? Yeah. Like, like, oh, I remember that guy. Oh, I remember her. I wanted to hook up with her really badly and I never did shit. You know, like, like that was the point of, that was what made Facebook fun in the beginning. Of course, it's not like that anymore at all. But like, it's kind of weird because that was as a value proposition, I think actually pretty appealing. Like I, I wasn't like an ardent Facebook user, you know, or whatever. Like I used it the way I think that normal people do, but uh, in the same way that I'm normal in every way. Uh, but there is like that idea of it. Like I wanted to know how people were doing and I wanted to know that they were okay. And like just sort of that experience of like clicking around and like finding the name of the person that you went to high school or college with and then just being like, okay, like I'm following you, like noted that you are still alive. Ah. I'm, I'm glad that you're well. Like that was pretty wholesome, I think, relative to, I mean, at least in the way I was, using it because I wasn't trying to hook up with anybody or like snoop on their shit necessarily. Speak for yourself. Yeah, I know. I was, I've been in the same relationship for a very, very long time. So it is, but that like aspect of it, the idea that like they saw how appealing that was to people and they were like, you know what? I think these people are really going to like videos of close up magic (laughs) or like the egg that becomes bigger when you soak it. That like they just completely fumbled that shit. But that is an irresistible thing. People want that. Ooh, I do. I do like remembering some toys, like, uh, like, like little sponge monkeys, where you dunk them in the, those like are in the, good in the bathtub, and they grow into like big things. Yeah. Like so, Shrink, I, shrinky I, dinks. That I was have a good another one. thing. Uh, as a parent, I don't like saying as a parent, but like, there's a good remembering guys uh, section of parenting where because my kids now so, uh, okay, so they're 17, 14, and ten. It's, it's, I have, I need a moment to remember how old they yeah. are. So like, but now That's a great we get spread. like classic spread. Well, but done. we'll, we'll remember like people, kids they were friends with in preschool where they'll be like, well, remember like Bobby? I'm like, oh, Bobby. I haven't thought about Bobby in a fucking million years. And so I'll remember some kids, remember some of their parents. I'll be like, oh, that mom, she was a piece of shit. Or remember <laughs> some teachers. I'll be like, oh, Miss Daisy. She was so nice. Like she was a great kindergarten teacher. Like, like I like that strain of guys to remember too. Like oh yeah. Remembering guys. teachers is a good one. That's definitely like one that I think Love everybody can kind to of remember some teachers. Can I remember a teacher real quick? No. Yeah. Mr. Higgins was my English teacher. Uh, I think in ninth grade lived nearest to my neighborhood, looked and acted like Santa Claus, like big roly poly guy with a big white beard. And I would see him walking around the neighborhood with his wife, like just very, you know, in an old person style after I had, you know, I was no longer in ninth grade. And I'd just be in my driveway shooting baskets as I did most of, uh, the time in high school when I wasn't doing something else. And he would wander by and I'd be like, hey, Mr. Higgins, how's it going? And he would always have some, like he didn't say like tally-ho, but he would just say something really weird back. And like, I remember that very fondly. Excelsior to you, young man. Yes, he was like that. Or him being like, (laughs) right you are, like onward and upward. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking great. That's always like when you were a kid, and you saw your teacher outside of the classroom and it was fucking weird because you're like, yeah. that person exists. Like that person goes grocery shopping. Like, don't they just stay in the classroom 24 hours a day? Like right. they're not allowed to be out here. Like also, you don't know at that age that like teachers fucking party too. Like they start drinking at like 3.30. And so there's a bunch of times where I would see, I remember seeing some teachers once at a, uh, like a quickly closed Tex-Mex place that my parents liked in Paramus, New Jersey. And like in retrospect, 
they had definitely been drinking margaritas for like three hours when I got there, and they def- they were not pleased to see me, and I was, you know, could not have been more shell-shocked at seeing them. No, my wife is a preschool teacher and does not like seeing her students out in the wild. Nope. Yep. You, those She's boundaries like, are This is so weird. I gotta leave. Yep. I get, I get a bad remember some teacher uh, shit now because I went to a prep school called Exeter, and- I would say like at least twice a year, I get an, a very serious email from the headmaster of Exeter and they're like, listen, if you went to the school back in the eighties and nineties, uh, you, and you had Mr. Kaminsky for physics. Well, it turned out that he assaulted one of his students and we're really sorry about that. And this happens a lot. Like it happens so much that like GQ sent me to Exeter to investigate it. And of course no one at Exeter talked to me about any of that shit. But like, I get that. Like, I will get these emails and I'll be like, fuck, I had that guy. And like, now he's, now he's dead, but also he's like, he's being wanted for like sexual assault. So like, it's like, it's not good remembering some teachers. Like, I just wanted to remember like Mr. Butts in seventh grade because he was weird and had like a hairpiece and shit. I don't want to remember like, I don't remember the sex pest that I had. I I don't think I knew that you got to write a like ghosts of Exeter feature, but that is It was spiked. We spiked it. Oh really? All right. Yep. It never it never ran. Actually, a lot of that ended up in point B because I was like, well, I got all this copy and I don't like throwing it away. So I'm just yep. gonna use it in some other yeah, way. That because- is a real I have the same impulse. It's why it took me so long to write uh my fucking George Santos blogs. I had like six hundred words that I really liked that I started writing about a completely different topic. And I was like, <laughs> I just could not sure be more delete those them. motherfuckers into there. Yeah, my fault. You know what you have to do now, Roth? And I mean this in all seriousness. You have to profile George Santos. Like you have to would, go and request an interview with him. Yeah, just I just want to sit down with him, get to know him. Maybe invest in uh, if he has any real estate opportunities that he's willing to cut me in on at the ground floor. I think that'd be really exciting. Uh, one more question is from Brian. My entire post-pubescent life, I've been applying deodorant with the opposite hand to each armpit. Left hand to right armpit and vice versa. Mm-hmm. The past few days... I've switched it up and gone left to left and right to right. It's the type of thrill and challenge I need to get the day started off with just right. Roth, have you ever applied deodorant with the same hand to the same armpit? No, we're all doing the, obviously can't see it because it's right, not we'll a visual medium. It. This Zoom call right now is three dudes seeing if it works in different boxes. Looks uh, like I'm doing the fucking chicken dance. Like, I was going to say, there's something kind of like you're like trying to make yourself look bigger to like frighten a silverback gorilla. It's not working. It's not an elegant solution. And yet I think I might try it because I've never, I've never, it's never occurred to me. I've always been sort of, uh, you know, like the method that he's describing, the the standard, I think. Uh, and yet like, I, I like the idea of mixing it up, like being like, let's have some fun with it. Right, yeah. Let's, let's bust the paradigm. Like yeah, this. you got to have that mentality as you, as you get older. And uh, let's launch the, a deodorant sharing service and uh, do a Super Bowl. Uh, finally, I also I have the thing where I stumble around in the dark in the morning, like to get ready because my wife is still asleep, the kids are still asleep. I don't want to make a fuss. Blah blah blah. And uh, and I'll put on the deodorant. Uh, like I just put on deodorant at the beginning of the day so that I don't stink. You know, because I, I might take a shower like a few hours later, but at least I got some deodorant on. Right. And then sometimes I'll forget that I've put deodorant on and then I'll put it on again. I'll be like, I wonder if I put on deodorant <laughs> earlier and like, it'll, it'll like my armpit will already be saturated and I'll be like, Oh, 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 nice. Okay. All right. Well done. Nice. Nice to know. I like the idea of you doing that. Like just getting up super early on a weekend day, putting on some deodorant and like getting your, getting some like, 
comfortable, casual, like breathable outfit on and then just going downstairs and watching Guy Ritchie's Revolver before anyone in your house is awake. That's what I did. That's what I it did is. this weekend. That's man. why I brought that one up. I had to, I didn't reply to it. It's my fault. Uh, and let but, me tell you something. As someone who is a Guy Ritchie apologist, like I've liked a lot of his like minor works like Rockerola and shit like that. Revolver is a genuinely bad and incoherent movie. You should not. Is it bad? Is it like bad Richie in the sense that it's got like a bunch of Cockney guys being like, you all back and forth? Like, or is it him trying to do something he doesn't know how to do? Well, that's the problem is that like, it's one of the Guy Ritchie movies that it's a crime movie. So that's good. It's not like Guy yeah. Ritchie doing Aladdin for Disney. Like it's a Guy Ritchie movie, right. but it's set in America. So it's got mm. a lot of Americans in it. And I don't want that. I want yeah. British people. Like it's got Jason Statham in the lead and that's cool, but yeah. he's got hair and uh. I don't want him with hair. Like it looks wrong for Jason Statham to have hair. Yeah. And like it, the whole thing, the whole thing plays out. Like it's not, it's impossible to follow. And like, it goes from that. You ever have that, that feeling when you're watching a movie where you're like, oh, I, I don't really understand this. Maybe that's my problem. And then you're like, no, wait, it's incoherent because they did a poor job. Yeah. And they were like, he probably had a drinking problem, like right while he was doing this or something like that. Yeah. So. I want to, like, I don't mind being a step behind, but I need to feel like you're playing fair. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I need yeah. to sort of like, it needs to be possible. I'm willing to be stupider than the movie like that. I actually like that experience. I just, it's got to be possible for someone smarter than me to have a sense of what's going on. Well, you have to have trust that the picture is going to be clear by the end. You right. understand what's going on, but no, absolutely no, no yeah. shot of that. We're revol- well, we can, revol- we can talk about uh, when Guy Ritchie joins us on the podcast next week. I believe we have him booked. We can, or you can listen to him when he goes on Ask, Gas, or Grassley uh, next week. Eric <laughs> Silver is our producer. Brandon Grugel is our editor. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. Ads and production services are by Multitude. And you can go subscribe to Defector.com right now by going to Defector.com. And hitting that subscribe button, and God damn it, give us five stars on Apple so that we can Please. make money. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.